we strict that one from the record. No, not at all. You're not allowed. We struck it. It was. It's been stricken. It has been st- stroke. We. That's st- not how you say that. I think we stroked it, Jake. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the creatively titled podcast brought to you by us over at A to Z Horror.com and by the Phantom Podcast Network. Take a minute and head on down to downrightcreepy.com slash phantom to check out all the other awesome shows the network has to offer. For example, you should check out the Nightmare Junkhead podcast with Greg D. and Genius McGee. They recently wrapped up a bracket-style tournament breaking down all the horror movies from the past four decades with respective years ending in seven. Get it? Because it's 2017. Anyway, it was a huge undertaking for those guys, and they were awesome enough to reach out to a variety of different podcasts to come in, discuss the flicks. So head on over there and check out uh, which movie took down the prize. For now, though, you're here with us. I'm Jake, and as you'll notice, I'm not the regular host because Jack's off in New Zealand this week having a crate date or something. With me this week, though, as always, is the guy sitting to my right. It's someone else who's had a rough night. It's Mark. That's me. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. It's really too bad about Jack. He just uh, basically mumbled something about returning to Mordor and ran off toward the airport. I haven't seen him since. He doesn't give us a lot of warning for any of these things that he does. No. You'd think we'd be used to it by now, but... He's unprofessional. Frankly, it's insulting, but we should be used to it. We're not. Predictably unpredictable. And on that note, for those of you unfamiliar with our Cracker Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. This week, we revisited a movie that we reviewed prior to picking things up with the podcast. We're talking 2016 Southbound, and we're going to get into that soon. It'll be a lot of fun. But first, we got to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. Mark, what are your beers for these fears? The intrepid listener will recall that I am flush with beers. Still? Uh, Yeah. Dude, Dude, we bought a lot. It's been we bought, like we bought a many. month, unless you have a walk-in fridge. <laughs> well, I do. Well, no, we just have a dedicated beer fridge, and then we had a stack of boxes on top of it. All right. Yeah. How you did you have... wildly overestimate the amount of beer by that degree? Uh, well, so if you use ourselves, like, if I'm just like, okay, so there's 70 of me at a party, that's what, like, uh, how many beers? And then I base, like, my estimate off of that fair and then like normal humans come to the party instead of 70 Us. clones of myself uh yeah. then you have a tendency to wildly overestimate okay fair yeah well, so what are you drinking so yeah thank you for getting me back on track um so i think i've already done this shtick back when we did vhs but oh, this God. is an anthology movie uh spoilers might be abound not particularly in my selection but we haven't said that yet i'm Wait, gonna drink i'm gonna pause you right there we got to get it out of the way the typical psa listener there will be spoilers in this podcast for the 2016 movie Southbound and potentially in our beer selections themselves. So tread a bit lightly until we get to the main review, but then tread very lightly. Mark, back to you. Okay. Anthology movie. I don't think that's spoiling too much. Um, I'm just going to drink five beers. Like it, it's five movies oh, in a one movie. for each. So I'm going to drink one for each segment. Got it. Yeah. I'm very What creative. are the beers? Uh, kind of just whatever I pulled out right Did now. Did you... They aren't thematic with the different... I was thinking about that. I was going to try and see if I could connect all five of them together in a circle, but that takes a lot of effort, and I... We should try. We should try. Okay. We'll get there. Yeah. I got a Woodland Empire Pilsner to start. Wonderful. Yeah. It's delightful. What are you drinking? 
I am drinking a beer that I've had before on the podcast, but it fits really well, so fuck it. I'm drinking by Long Trail Brewing, a beer called Limbo IPA, because more or less this movie is kind of about being in limbo. Okay. Yeah. Count it. Yeah, that I absolutely. Win? I don't know. You might win. You're drinking more beers. Maybe I need to drink five limbos. Yeah, just drink five limbos. That's the okay. ultimate. Okay, we can. We can. <laughs> I think go. we can make that happen. We have the power. It's a circle of beer that ke- it just keeps on going. It's like the circle of life, but with beer. Exactly. Nailed it. Anyway, one other housekeeping item before we move on this week. We are pretty much at the end of this last crop of horror movies that we'd pick to review. We've been holding off on my wild card pick for a really long time. I picked Brain Dead or Dead Alive, depending on where you live. It's funny that Jack's in New Zealand this week, and we're talking about a New Zealand flick. Um, can't find that movie. True to form, um, my wild card was just too much of a wild card, and, and we can't get our hands on it right now through our North American distribution channels. So I need to pick a new movie. And I think I have a good tie-in. Uh on a bit of a down note, everyone knows by now, but we recently lost George Romero. It sucks. And though I'm not someone who really has too many of what I'd call guilty pleasures, I think that there's one that fits of his. It's a little bit more of like a back catalog type movie of his. Of I don't think it, it gets is. enough credit, though. Well, it's come on, it's Romero. And you're a hipster. Yeah, we get We're it. We're going to take a look next week in memory of Mr. George A. Romero at a movie that I find to be a guilty pleasure. It's a wild card guilty pleasure. I've been interchangeably using those we're gonna look at monkey shines <laughs> next week okay Mark okay Lass. jake has to dust off the vinyl collection and maybe and maybe some other romero flicks anyway back to the proceedings for this episode i just had to get that out there we appreciate that it is the start of the month is it not mark it is and that means that we need to do our monthly roundup of horror releases you might call it the horror release roundup so, this month, a lot of movies. It's August. I'm sorry, I spilled beer. I'm trying to fucking make things work. You're sitting here, leave me hanging. We're heading into August. There are a lot of releases this month. But are any of them good, Mark? What is your top movie coming out this month? Well, yeah, before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about August as a whole. Sure. Uh, I don't know if you have thoughts on this month. I I do, in general. It's hot. <laughs> it's humid if you're on the East Coast, August. It'll also have the, sol- we'll have the solar eclipse on the 21st. Things will happen in August. Yes. It is going to be hot. It is also, according to this list, going to be hot garbage. Uh, oh, boy, that's a hot take. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, at first blush, there seems like there's a couple good ones that come out, but... Sure. This is just a... This month doesn't look that bad to me, actually. Yeah, I, I, f- I mean... I framed it up for you, like... It would be. I don't think it looks that bad, so I'm interested to see what you got going on here. Look, we're not going to hit on all of these. Uh, okay. I I mean, there's there's quite a few coming out this month. Yeah, with a ton. The, which is part of it. We've been kind of gotten used to like the eight or ten release month, but... Yeah. That's You said it exactly right. Nothing here looks bad. This is like the month of generic, meh, nothing exciting horror movies, in my opinion. That being said, uh, I do have a top one, and it is... Actually, uh, kind of a late addition to the list. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with the Hollow one, which is kind of an entry in one of the more generically named horror movies. Absolutely. I can't really put my finger on this movie. I can't tell. I feel like I'm probably going to regret this. Uh, I do go out of my way to like see all my top ones, so I will see this at some point. Uh, it looks at, at one on one hand it looks like incredibly generic and shitty and low budget and horribly acted and then on the other it looks like super interesting uh, it, f- 
the plot itself, like they're they're intertwining ancient civilizations and zombies mm-hmm. and like devil worship and her mom has a fake identity and all this other stuff is happening. So that I mean there's there's interesting things there, but then on the other hand, there's like these casual conversations just like, oh, I found these artifacts that are ten thousand years old. That's crazy. I, I don't know. It it could it could go either way, and I guess I'm just picking it on how much the trailer surprised me, how much the trailer like threw me for a loop. Cause I just cannot put my finger on how good this movie is going to be. Huh? Which you think like would make a it a wild horse card type. <laughs> yeah. Dark horse. Justification yeah. to me, but I mean, everything you just described is kind of why I couldn't really go there with this one, because to me, it just felt like, how is this movie going to find a thread and stick to it? I feel like it could be, in any a number of directions at really any point. And I don't have a lot of faith just judging by the pedigree behind this one that it's going to be able to do so, but Hey, it could surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be like movie judgmental about it, but that's, that's kind of the thing that's scaring me off of is the, the general film quality and pedigree of the movie looks like that of a terrible movie. But then the actual content of the trailer seemed intriguing in a way that I haven't seen in most of these other trailers. Until the voice of Sauron popped up. uh, (laughs) I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Pretty well done trailer. Ah, I like that. Well, and also I'm pretty sure it's in literally the first second of the trailer. So I'm not really sure what you're going for here. Oh, I don't remember it at the start. I remember it at like the three quarter point. We should definitely argue about this instead of just watching the trailer again. Nope. Listener, don't <laughs> don't even watch the trailer. Don't bother. So going out on less of a limb for top ones. Jack, he's not here, but he threw in his hat, and he's going with Annabelle Creation. I, at least someone mentioned it. It's the elephant in the room as far as August Horror is concerned. You hated the first Annabelle. Jack liked the first Annabelle. I thought the first Annabelle was okay, so I guess we have the basis covered. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really see. It seemed like it was a very polarizing movie, and that, I didn't really see that. I just seemed like a horror movie. It's well made, but ultimately kind of forgettable. That it's seems like a movie that we should universe whatever. It's canon. Yeah, that Great. seems like a movie we should probably weigh in on on this site with our vastly different opinions. Jack will end up giving it a six, and I will end up giving it a five and a half. Is I'll the spoiler a, for that future review? Uh, seven. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I, I mean, I, it seems like a good entry for August Horror, fun, popcorn-type stuff, whatever. And Yeah, that's true. Throwing it back to myself, like, I didn't really go out on a limb either. I picked the other pretty big-name movie for the month. This one's coming right out on the Netflix called Death Note. Um, look, Willem Dafoe voicing a pretty fucking radical-looking demon. You got me. It yeah. looks cool. Like, I mean, what more do you want? This is an old IP, right? The Death yeah. Note's a manga or whatever. Yes, it, anime. And this thing. movie looks fitting yeah. of some bringing a manga to screen. So I think that that's a good sign. You have Adam Wingard directing it, and look, I didn't like Blair Witch, but that has more to do with the fact that I'm a big Blair Witch Project fan, and it is pretty much has nothing to do with his ability to direct a film because I think from just that standpoint, that movie wasn't bad. It was more or less the direction that they chose to go that I had qualms with. So redemption potential. I I might disagree with that analysis. I don't know, man. (laughs) He does have a chance of redemption. Everyone's allowed one. James Wan made dead silence. Just remember that. Oh yeah. I never forget. 
<laughs> Speaking of movies like Dead Silence, what is your bottom one for this month? Uh, I gave it to August. Uh, the entire come month. on, I man. know, I know. I just have to get one last shot in. There's a a number of these that look almost like they qualify for the uncorked rule without being uncorked. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I saw a single uncorked trailer, which is baffling because there are like 35 fucking movies. I know. I'm that wondering. That cannot be right. Is I'm wondering right? if they rebranded themselves or something and I ha- and I missed it as a headline. Um, oh. There is a movie called Three Tears on Bloodstained Flesh that looks. Oh, the ultra low budget giallo type deal. It looks impossibly bad. Just yeah. horrible. Now, this is a DVD release of a movie that <laughs> happened a while ago. Like, it so can't even get it can't even get streaming, like, video-on-demand release. It goes to DVD, straight to Blockbuster. So, you're kind of picking on the little guy here. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know, and that's usually not my MO, but I can't... The other thing, like, at least the other ones had shorter trailers. This trailer is... Long, huh? Two minutes and 40 seconds. It didn't yeah. break the three-minute barrier, but it just... it Like, honestly, it felt like... A five-minute trailer. Yeah. Um, not exactly sure what goes into the pacing of a trailer, but uh, this, the, yeah, it's too long. I have to fault it in in that way. And sure, there's other. I mean, if I'm gonna, I don't know. It, I have to go quite a ways up the chain in order to have like any separation of the pack and to you know just diminish the rest as fodder. So whatever, I'll go with the bottom one. That's the this true is one of bottom those, one. Sure, this is one of those that you see so often with some of these lower budget and in this case ultra low budget type films where you have those awkward sequences in the trailer where it feels empty like the actors haven't quite started acting yet and they've <laughs> chosen to leave it in the trailer i'm i we get that a lot too and it just goes to show how hard it can be i think how hard it can be to cut a trailer but yeah man it was rough it was a rough watch uh i don't know not a recommend mark would you recommend it based on the trailer no no, I would definitely... Uh, I don't even recommend you watch the trailer. Okay, then. Wow. That's two and a half minutes of your life that I just saved you. You're welcome, listener. Yeah. Uh, well, Jack went with Among Us, which isn't far from that same tree, I would say. Uh, he just he cited the dialogue and acting as being really astonishingly bad as well, so I think that it, it speaks to the same quality we were just talking about. Don't have much other information because, like we talked about, he just up and left the country, so good riddance. Uh, mine was Lycan, and the main thing that I didn't like about Lycan is the fact that there's not one thing that this movie has going for it that I think is going to be even remotely something resembling a unique aspect for a film. Like, not one thing. It They're just wolves, first of all, in the trailer. They're just wolves. They have yep. wolves in the trailer. Yep. Like, what does that have to do with... I mean, I, I get the tie-in, but you've got to try a little harder than that. And I'm not going to sit here and harp on it, but the movie's called Lycan. They cite werewolves in the graphical overlays during the trailer. Those are two different things. And it's probably going to get shat on for that, too. So you got to know if you're making a movie like this, what lore, what side of the lore you're going to go into. It doesn't seem to do that. And if you can't do that right, then I have no hope for your film. So this, yeah. So uh, this is an interesting choice because this is actually one of the other ones I flagged as being a movie that I legitimately cannot tell if it's going to be a complete and utter dumpster fire or if it actually like could be interesting and surprising. I'm, I'm definitely leaning your direction and sure. It's probably going to be interesting or it's probably going to be a dumpster fire and not interesting, but I just, I don't know. There's something about these trailers that 
I can't I can't really assess appropriately. It's, I don't know. It's weird. It's like a month full of dark dark horses for you, Mark. A little bit, yeah. Well, there's there's a whole pile of just crap, and then there's some dark horses. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, well, I think the record will show that all of these movies are going to be terrible. We're going to go on and find out. That sounds like a heaping bet. Loser has to watch every film from August. Aggregate, okay. Aggregate score. Uh, new, uh, let's see here. Just a straight up average score on IMDb of all of these movies is less than five. It, they're horror movies, so I'm not taking that. <laughs> I thought I might be able to talk you. Into you it. would absolutely win that. You fuck you. What's your dark horse? Oh, my dark horse is so. Actually, I'm not totally positive this counts. Uh, we might have to adjust this one at a later time. There is some information on the internet saying that this is coming out in August, oh, but we God can't confirm it. it. It wouldn't be a a mark month without uh, some mention of found footage. Sure, there is a found footage. There is a movie called Found Footage 3D, uh, or Found Footage the movie, or something like that. Found uh, Footage 3D. Yeah. Okay. So it basically it, it it looks like a group of people making a found footage movie. <laughs> you don't while, even know the title of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you while they me? while they um and then they actually like stumble upon some haunted shit. Uh, it, it's it seems a bit like it's going to be more comedy than horror in uh, yeah. in most respects. If this is actually coming out in August, um, this actually may well should have been my my top one, but I wanted I to give my top be. one to to something that actually like was definitely coming out in August. So I'm going to keep an eye on that one. It looks it looks pretty damn funny. Uh, mm. And the other thing is they do comment on like all of the tropes associated with the genre. So. When you do that, it's always interesting to see what you then you force your hand of having you know those Chekhov's tropes have to come up later, and you have to deal with them within like the realm of the world you've created, but with your characters knowing that they're tropes. So I, I'm yeah. I'm always interested in like what's actually happens at that point. Like do the, do the characters who have earlier commented on why do you keep filming when you're getting chased by a ghost keep filming when they get chased by a ghost? That type of shit. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I'm going with. If me, I if it doesn't come out, yeah, because it might not. Um, the backup is going to be Polaroid, uh, which I believe is Jack's Dark Horse as well. Um, it is. I kind of shat on this movie a little bit, and when I actually wrote it up for the post, because it's a rehash of a rehash of a rehash. This is sure. Camera Obscura, which rehashed the. I mean, I had rehashed oh. like three different things, but then it cool. also rehashed the. Um, Are You Afraid of the Dark episode? I'm pretty sure there was a Goosebumps episode about well, it. Well, and then J-Horror has its own thing going. It's creepy. Yeah, Shudder or whatever. Yeah, it goes it goes way back. I mean, ever since cameras have been a thing, people have thought they basically stole your soul or were sure, omens of the devil or whatever. So They're creepy. They are very creepy. I mean, this looks much like Annabelle, like straight-up popcorn horror. Um, yep. I do... I, I, the thing that sold me on it, I think, is the scene where they set the Polaroid on fire and then the girl catches on fire. <laughs> oh, really? That was the one that like took me off. I, I mean, that's 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 appropriate popcorn horror, man. That's that was fucking garbage. Yeah, but that's that's the type of shit that like fills out a popcorn horror movie. That is, I like, I would I consider that shit to be fun. The fire looked bad. It, it, uh, yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, oh, you guys, yeah. you guys really get hung up on fire yeah. way more than I do. You're like a you're like a fire expert. 
I bet you would sell like artisanal fire at some type of uh, artisanal fire. Artisanal Yo, did you fire. see that company that sold like artisanal firewood? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like those Canadian schmucks. Uh, I'm ninety-nine percent comp. Yeah, it was a joke. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, so in any case, Jack also had the Polaroid as his, as his dark horse uh, for the yeah. month. The big thing with Polaroid that you know, I, I I do agree with what you're saying for the most part. Fire, no, I'm not gonna go there with you, bud. But what disappointed me, and I don't know if that's the right word, but it's all I can think of right now, so I won't belabor. What disappointed me about that trailer is when I think Polaroid, that seems like it's actually a really interesting concept for a tool in a horror movie because you can do that creepy camera thing, which is creepy in its own right. And then there's like a built-in bonus that is the added suspense of you waiting for that little picture to develop and you're like shaking it and you're like, what am I going to see? What's going on? They didn't seem to do that. So, okay. I, yeah, I, I, if I were a betting man, uh, and the money line were, was like 90 to one or 90, whatever, nine to one that, uh, they don't do that. That's what I would bet on. But my guess, I don't even know. I'm not a betting man. So I have no idea if I said that. Clearly you just exhibited that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but my guess, shameful. if I, if I were a betting man that knew what I was talking about and wanted to take like the, uh, Option secret option B is they are saving that for the climax of the movie. Once they figured out that the di- the demon lives in the photos or something like that, the last one yeah, or two but... alive are going to take a selfie and then be, you know, shaking it like a Polaroid. Know what I mean? They, I feel like that needs to be part of the build up, like before they kind of know what's up. I don't know. We'll see. I it's it's probably a movie that we will watch. Yeah. So why not? One of us will get to it. Yeah, I'm sure someone will. Anyway, my dark horse, and I might have to give it back up too, because the dark horse that I'm picking is more of a PSA type thing, and this is for part of what we actually call our horror-ish release roundup, which are the movies that don't quite make it in as like true genre films, but there's just enough going on there that we make mention of them. Movie coming out this month called Dave Made a Maze, <laughs> it looks, and it looks great. It looks fucking awesome. It looks really, really cult, culty, and I mean culty in terms of like cult classic, not as in there's like a cult in the movie. Dude makes like a cardboard maze at home and sucks him in, like "Honey, I Shrunk Myself" type situation, right? Ostensibly, or more like a I got a I got a House of Leaves type of vibe out of it. Sure, yeah, but the effects in this movie look fucking incredible. Like so much stop motion claymation banana shit going on uh also kind of a quick call out because we have to do one of these a week it seems like at this point uh it was a feature film at our hometowns now at this point really art of all types festival earlier this year it was at film fort of the tree fort music fest and it uh made some waves there so looking forward to getting my hands on this one finally was it really how did we miss this uh we were Drinking heavily. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, okay. And at music. That makes so, sense. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like us. Yeah, in any case, I think if I were to give... I'll give a couple other quick shout-outs that could be Dark Horse types. Um, the first of which is the Monster Project. Really? This actually, Yeah, this mm. actually looks like it could be kind of fun. And I found myself with this trailer, like, pausing it to see what the monster effects look like. They don't look that bad. 
as I this, this could be kind of fun. As I wrote in in my write up of it, there's is is this going to be good? No, probably not. But this is also definitely the type of movie that drunk me would put on after downing a bottle of rosé. That sounds like sure. a wonderful re- evening. This movie doesn't look half bad to me. I don't think it looks very good. I you and I have vastly different reads on this month. I think this month looks like it's a we I'm feeling very middle of the road, but like a lot of it. Yeah, and well, and I totally agree with that assessment. I think that's just what bugs me about it is there's it's all middle of the road and after a while getting too much middle of the road just makes me annoyed that nothing can separate itself. It's like sure. it's like watching middling football. Like it's like watching Big 12 football. Like yeah, all the teams are okay. But yeah, Big 12 will sneak up on you these days, man. Okay. Defense optional football's great. <laughs> Um, one other it. one I'm going to highlight that since we're doing that now, um, is, and this one kind of caught me by surprise too, but, uh, the, uh, open water three shark uh, dive. Uh, okay. Uh, it, in a vacuum, the movie itself actually, I mean, it's a good thalassophobia entry of sure. Your, the your month. boat goes down, you're getting hunted by sharks. It's a survival horror. That's just good. But the one thing I really wanted to bring up was they have a fucking like orchestral dirge version of row, row, row your boat playing yeah. over the trailer. I, I can't, I can't handle it. It's, <laughs> it's impossible. Like, what is this new trend of doing dirge-ish covers of like old jazzy standards and like classic songs? I, I can't. I mean, over a horror trailer, this is basically a parody at that point. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, nah, I I don't understand how they've gotten to a third entry in this franchise. Like the first one was a pretty gnarly, like gut punch of a movie, and I I like it a lot. I did not actually know that there was a second one made, so that's my yep. bad, I guess. But you can't just repeat rinse and repeat this type of thing well can you and and i guess my question at that point is why not just call this movie cage dive why attach the open water like brand because it's not even a brand like you're saying i don't know i mean it yeah to me it's stronger as a standalone it is what it is though if you're into that type of shit this is probably isn't going to be half bad either so yeah yeah exactly it's going to be fucking better than sharknado 5 i don't know that looks awesome are you a Sharknado guy? I watched the first movie, no, and I really. guess I appreciated it for what it was. But I mean, they're they're awful. They're not even fun anymore. They're just boring. Hmm. Listener, there's also a Sharknado coming out this month again called Global Swarming. And at this point, the only thing that's charming about the franchise is the subtitles of the movies. It has are... Brett Michaels in it, though. <sighs> yes. Come on. That is factually correct. Yeah. That's as yeah. as as far as I'm willing to go with that one. That's like the most August thing you could get, dude. <laughs> Brett Michaels. I I really hope the rest of this year looks up. I mean, this is sort of we're out of the summer doldrums after this point and yeah. we're starting to ramp up when things actually get released, so. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Yeah, with that, let's uh let's jump into the feature presentation. That took us a while. <laughs> Mark, 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 Mark. Jake. We reviewed Southbound this week. We 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 revisited Southbound this week. Yeah, you might say we re-reviewed it. Oh, yeah. Just like that. So this 
this was like a year ago that we took a look at this one, huh? Yeah, and actually, the other thing that's interesting about this is you keep calling it 2016. This is one of those movies that has like one of the most ambiguous release no, dates ever. No, it doesn't. It's 2016. 2015, the, uh, like, uh, yep, 2015, like, festival circuit runs, but VOD, you can get it in your hands as a member of the general public 2016, like February. True. I guess my point is if you look at the, like, release calendar thing that IMDb has, there's 25 different entries. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. That's what we're, that's what we're dealing with here. Well, you know what else we're dealing with? <clears throat> a 30-second plot synopsis? That you're going to have to do. Before we start, I have a quick question. Have we done a 30-second plot synopsis on an anthology movie yet? I don't know. Are you vamping so you can kind of figure out how you're going to go about this? Uh, yes, and... Ah, fuck it. Let's Motherfucker, just... 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. <laughs> it's going to start when you start. Okay, spoilers. The movie is set in limbo. Uh, All of these people are basically stuck in a gigantic loop trying to figure their way out. The first segment and fifth segment deal with two guys who, they made some mistakes, whatever, they're driving down the highway and they find themselves stuck at a rest stop of sorts being chased by these Grim Reaper floating demon things that appear in basically every segment. Second segment is uh, cult-related. This girl band uh, breaks down and two of them are basically converted. The third one escapes and bam, third segment, she is hit by a car taken to an abandoned hospital oh damn oh wow that's hard that's really hard doing anthologies yeah i can only imagine what it would have been like i don't envy you but this was your choice yeah we'll get to that in just a second but i'm first i'm gonna let you finish okay fourth segment is hardly even worth talking about there's some guy trying to break his sister out of limp i don't know it's you might call it a jailbreak yeah it's called jailbreak she's well, we'll get there. We'll just do that one individually, I think. Um, and then the last segment is, and this is sort of the claim to fame of the movie, ties back to the first segment. It is what the guys in the first segment did wrong in order to basically plunge themselves into the hell that is apparently Arizona. <laughs> I don't know. It could be like, could I got be New a Mexico. very, like, I got inland California salt and sea type area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's desert. A, you, we're we're all kind of saying the same region. Like at that at the a Southwest certain point, listener, state lines Southwest. don't matter. Yeah, when you're in hell, <laughs> ain't no state lines in hell. Um, one thing that I did not realize when we watched this the first time, Larry Fessenden is the name or is the guy on the radio. He's the DJ. One of. Or, oh, the main? Yeah, the, main, the dude uh, who has, like, like, the husky, like, mm, when you drive down this highway, you are chasing away your past, or I don't know what he says, but... Is he really? Yeah. Fucking typical. That dude is in every single horror thing, movie, TV show, video game, ever. Oh, It's impossible yeah. to get away from Especially him. if it's, like, even remotely indie. I, yeah. Oh, I think he just sort of, it. like, he's just a like lot lizard. shit. Like, he just hangs out. At, at various, like, he keeps his ear to the ground, and if anyone's like, ah, we need we need a voice for the DJ, or, uh, we need some extra to get stabbed in the jar, or, oh, we just need a cop. That dude's just like, I'm here. How are He's you doing? Great. He's an American hero. He really is. Is he American? He is, he is now. <laughs> he's American. It's okay. He's North American. Just do that. We've solved it. He's, he's American-American. Okay. Mark, oh... You picked this movie. This was, if I recall correctly, one of your top three 
favorite movies from last year as covered in our 2016 horror omnibus award show special spectacular thing. spectacular jake okay sorry it was uh Do you tell? you're actually telling me this um i'm pretty sure it was my third though if i'm now recollecting i'm what do you mean i'm telling you this i well i honestly couldn't have i i don't know if i would have told you that um, off the top of my head, but I, it does make sense. I kind of stand by. I do stand by that. If if that is what I said, I kind of stand by it. Past Our me guys. was an idiot. Okay, sure. Future, he's an idiot too. I think. Uh, <laughs> but current me, current current Mark, freaking also an idiot. Attractive genius is basically mm-hmm. the the only words I can come up with. Debatable. Um, this movie is interesting in the way that it is an anthology movie, which we've seen before plenty of times, but it is very well interconnected. And I think the shtick of having all five of these movies exist without the necessity of a frame narrative. Yeah. And to the extent that they connect so well. I mean, like I said in my synopsis, the second, whatever we're calling them, the second short film, the protagonist of that is the victim of the third. And sure. so forth and so on down the line. And that the level of connective tissue in this is what makes it special. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. And listener, we typically do a what here's what the movie does right, here's what the movie does wrong type approach to our reviews. And we're going to do that, but we're going to do something that we typically like to do with anthologies in this podcast. And we're going to break down each of the different segments. I like what you just said, Mark, about the frame narrative. It doesn't really need one. It kind of does this thing where it break, it shatters like all that shit, and the movie itself is kind of its own frame narrative. If you look at it from like a high level enough view, it the, serves as its frame narrative in a way. Whoa, dude! Yeah, I was gonna say I don't, I, I, I have no idea. You what should you're trying definitely to say. smoke peyote when you watch this. <laughs> uh, PSA. Uh, don't a to Z that. horror, yeah. A to Z horror does not su- does not support smoking peyote. We support drinking beer, though. That is accurate. Yeah. In moderation. So, is this the second time you've seen this? Or have you yes. seen it more times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Second time. Yeah, me too. Both times for the site, the original review, and then the revisit that we're now embarking upon. Exactly. One one little side issue with with the way we do this website is I'm basically constantly watching new horror movies, and I don't have a chance, especially at newer horror movies, to revisit them. Unless I go like way out of my way, so yeah, this is. Do you think this is one you would have revisited again, prior? I'm I'm not certain uh, that it yeah. would be. There are, I mean, there are. The problem with anthology movies is you generally really align well with with some of them. Like I'd go back and watch Holidays just for Easter and Father's Day, right? Sure. But the problem oh, with I'd that, I'd skip the other ones for sure. Well, yeah, but the problem with that is then you have to skip the other ones or watch them begrudgingly whatever so with this one i i think one of the other strengths that we haven't mentioned yet is all of them are actually pretty good we can talk about the fourth when we get there but um that's that's really the problem with revisiting anthology movies is you have to be committed to watching all of the anthology movies or fast forwarding through like an animal like who does that and it puts savages savages it puts you in a different frame of mind going into an anthology that you've seen because you know what you want to see and what you're going back for 
and you know what you don't give a shit about and it's really easy to be like i can skip it because it's it has no bearing what's usually no bearing whatsoever on the rest of the film but there are a ton of morsels in this one that are so interconnected like you said you can't really do that this is it kind of functions on both levels which is cool yeah which makes what i'm about to throw us into really really difficult <laughs> it's the stupid fucking exercise of the week time what subgenres of horror does this fall the fuck into, Mark? I think you I think you put the swear word in the wrong part. What the uh, fuck subgenre does this thing belong to? You um, hit the nail on the head, buddy. Well, so layup, anthology. Done. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you passed me the rock. You're this stocked into my Malone. That's hey. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Stockton's a great player. Good work. What's yours? Um, and this is where you really start to have to get into each of the individual sections and you don't, you probably shouldn't do that, but what the hell? I mean, let's go ahead. Fifth section, home invasion. Okay. On, on that note, let's just lump these two together. Slasher. Uh, does it count as a slasher? No. Okay. <laughs> Why would it be? One of the oldest arguments we have had at this site it's is not. whether or not The Strangers, completely separate movie, is a slasher. The Strangers and the fifth segment of this movie are not slashers. Essentially, essentially the same movie. <laughs> oh, very much. Well, I mean, they're home invasion. Yeah, but I mean, it's a home invasion with the end point being that the basically the two the couple gets killed and then the daughter gets killed like everyone gets killed home invasion invasion. doesn't necessarily have to be a slasher but all of the home invasions that have come out recently including this one have also been slashers they have masks i disagree they have weapons but it doesn't have any of the other trappings. There's not like they the slash. being punished from a moral standpoint. He, they are getting like, punished from strangers, a moral standpoint. What makes the strangers There's great a final is girl. That we they they even bake the line. We're not here to talk about the strangers, Mark. We're not here to do it. We're not I'm here talking about this it. one. I'm talking about this one. They get punished for being emo- You got me riled up about the strangers. <laughs> They're punished for being amoral. Sure. It's imp- they, they it's implied are on heavily. A vendetta. There is a final girl. Masks, oh my God. Of weapons. Three people. Yeah, yeah. So, body count's not high enough. Uh, no sex, no titties. I don't know. So, uh, but it's a There's short. No film. boobies. Well, that's fair. That is a Booby good point. Quotient low. So it only has eighty percent of the trappings of a slasher. No, we're moving on. Okay, what is next? Um, which one? Let's go with body horror. Uh, the third segment nope. is heavy with body horror. No. Nope. The second segment has a little bit, not really any. I mean, there's no. some with the bear trap, but honestly, not much. Dude, no. your mistake again. You're mistaking body horror with things that are gruesome. This is like classic. Okay, okay, okay. Body fine. horror is like the transformation of your body. Okay, fine. Redacted gore. Then, Thank whatever you. we're calling it, gore splatter. Okay, let's throw in cult as you mentioned. Yep, that's the second, the second segment. segment, and kind of the fourth too, actually. Sure. Granted. I don't know what the fuck the fourth... The fourth has like seven different things that you could sprinkle in just a little bit of. The fourth isn't a fucking horror movie, is the problem. All of the other ones are horror shorts, and that's just like a family drama that happens to be happening in No way, dude. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add? No. Supernatural. 
I we strict that one from the record. No, not at all. You're not allowed. We struck it. It was. It's been stricken. It has been st- stroke. We. That's st- not how you say that. I think we stroked it, Jake. Oh my god. We stroked it from one. the record. Such a stupid fucking exercise. <laughs> Let's do the anthology thing, buddy. Let's do that. Section one, segment one of Southbound. Southbound and down. Called the way out. <laughs> uh, it basically opens with these two guys escaping from the fifth segment, hurtling down the highway as Larry Fessenden narrates their past. Um, you don't really pay attention to it, but Larry Fessenden's role in this is essentially like exposition a go go. Like he just he basically says literally the exact plot of the movie over the radio as they're cruising away from their rough night. He's kind of like the judge at the gates of purgatory, right? He well, he's the color commentary at the gates of purgatory. Okay. Like if the guy sitting there's it, so let's Larry Fessenden is the dude who sits next to St. Peter. I don't know much about religion. Uh and he's <laughs> <laughs> this is going to go well. This is going to go well. <laughs> he's just the dude sitting next to St. Peter being like, "Ooh, this guy's going to get judged. What's going to happen to him?" Oh, he goes to hell. Look at that. So he's St. Peter's crony is what you're saying. Not crony, completely separate, independent body, Toady. color commentator. Toady? No, they're completely is that a thing? They're completely separate. Toadies are a band. I like them. Good analysis. Appreciate it. That's what I bring to this podcast, dude. So this is also where we get the initial introduction of the what we're gonna call, I guess, the Reapers. I, that's what I yep. started calling them, but they are sure. Yeah, there are multiple Grim Reapers instead of just the one. But they are specters of the other side. Since they are a recurring character, they're basically omnipresent in this universe. What are I mean? What, what do you think of like how of what they are? Uh, when you say what they are, are you speaking from a visual standpoint? Or are you speaking from a yes, all of them. standpoint? Tell me your opinions. I like the fact that they are included. Uh, it just is also a very easy thing to point your finger at and be like, see this like practical affected fucking reaper flying demon thing doesn't look good. They shouldn't have done this. Did you mean to so, say practical? Are they practical? I'm sorry. They're CG. CG. Yeah. yeah. No, they're not practical. That's what they. Sh- that's what you would say. They like you should have done something more practical. So you played into my hand perfectly, sir. Because because my my assessment of the situation is this is exactly what CG effects should be. I love the way they did the Reapers in this movie. Really? Yeah. For the most part, I mean, there's. I the, don't think they look very good. There's the one scene where you get like a really good close up of. Uh, oh God! What's his name? Alex or Mike or one of those dudes? When he gets when he gets the the claw rammed down the throat at the end of segment sure. one, uh, up close it doesn't look great. As a floating background, like guardsman on the watchtower presence, yes, perfect design, dude. I I love it. Uh, okay, design design notwithstanding, like there's design and then there's execution of said design. I think the execution like, of the design is pretty good too. The, the the I mean it's a it's a relatively unique take of how like the physiology of the of the thing actually works with like 
you have this weird like biological hood over the face, and then when it opens up, okay. it it reveals like the the Grim Reaper skull. I do love how it looks. I love almost everything about it, but it has that sheen of like computer graphics that don't quite like reflect the light how something in nature would or something like that. It it you you feel it. It hits you. There are, there are parts, yeah. And yeah. obviously that's what happens when you have something that's not like of the universe of of the like of the actual like set. But mm-hmm. even so, I think this is a great example of where CG is employed well. Maybe not perfectly. I'm not going to give it like a like a perfect 10 on how they implement it, but this is a It'd good example tough. of what should be done. Yeah. Like I like the fact that they're included and I don't have the fucking foggiest of how they would have done this if it were to have been practical well you would have actually just stabbed a guy down down the esophagus with a sword thanks yeah it would have been it would have been pretty hard the the risk pay for that is through the roof high it's pretty high yes so the other thing that's introduced in this first segment is the concept of like you get that cyclical nature like right off the bat because these dudes roll into the gas station middle of nowhere. And I love the way that it kind of like sets the mood immediately of like, you are in this barren desert wasteland. Like you have people, I don't know why they're here. They're probably here because something in their mysterious past has led them to be here. And that can't be good. And these two dudes covered in blood roll in. They fit in sort of. And they're looking for a way out, and immediately they cannot. <laughs> They're also just looking for out. gas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I would say this is easily the, the first segment is easily the most complex segment to discuss. Because they actually do, for as short as it is, they do a lot of work here. Yeah, this thing is like a shade under 15 minutes long. So, right. I, I it's mean, fast. All of the segments are roughly the same length, uh, which is another thing that, aids the pacing of the movie as a whole Mm -hmm. but just for the amount of work they do in the first segment um it's actually kind of impressive what they're capable of actually doing in that time frame so not only are you introduced the characters and the wardens as you might call them the grim reapers that are just sitting there essentially watching the the punishment unfold you also get the infinite loop of you drive down the yeah. highway and you keep arriving at this same gas station and then once all the shit goes down you get the loop within a loop part of the movie where right. do you got do you remember the guy's name i can't for the life of me um mitch gets trapped mm-hmm. in the hotel room and it is itself a loop right yeah. Like, he goes in, and essentially he's chasing... I can't really figure out what the hell. It's a little ambiguous, but he's chasing his daughter, running around a house that's inside of a hotel. Yeah, she's, like, in distress, and he can't get to her. It's like dream logic. You've probably had this dream before. Yeah. You're trying to run, and you can't run, and when you run, it just change. Like, you change places, but the places are the same. That's what's happening to him. <laughs> Well-worded. I feel like I that was a pretty appropriate. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning as we as we typically do with anthologies because it's one of my favorite things to talk about with anthologies is the filmmakers of particular sections. Um, yeah, this section was directed by and starring two of the three guys from Radio Silence, who probably most famously I don't know at this point this this movie 
I would say this now. is their most famous. You entry. think so? I mean, they yeah. were also the the brains, the operation behind the original VHS. Yes. Um, I believe the segment, the haunted house segment, the uh, October thirty first, nineteen ninety eight, or whatever it's called. I fucking love that segment. It was good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But this segment was directed by them, and it starred two of them: uh, Matt Bettinelli, Olpin. I don't know. He has a long name, and then Chad Valella uh, were the two main characters in this segment and then ultimately the last as well yeah. which we'll get to later yeah they also direct but, fifth segment yes uh yeah i so, agree with you though easily the most complex does a lot of things ambitious and it establishes a few things about the world one you know that there's supernatural things happening because there's a fucking grim reaper floating off in the distance and they can't drive away from the goddamn gas station yep. and literally the guy gets dropped into like a vestibule of punishment. He's just running in circles until he's dead. I... <laughs> Good. Thank you, Jake. You used the word literally, and I thought you were going to do it correctly, and then you used this weird metaphorical explanation. Okay. Uh, Literal so vestibule of punishment, Mark. It is a... It is a vestibule. He's running in circles and being punished. And B, Vestibule of Punishment is the circle of hell that I'm fairly certain this movie is trying to evoke. Everyone always evokes limbo or purgatory. Yep. And purgatory's fair. Uh, there is, there, I mean, if you're going off of the classical definition of like Dante's Inferno, hell, purgatory is a, is a slope you climb up into the heavens. Mm -hmm. But since then, it has been redefined as being just sort of a place like this where you're just fucked until you figure out what you're doing. Sure. Vestibule. Fine. However, in the original Dante's Inferno, there is a circle of hell outside of the gates of hell called the Vestibule of Punishment dedicated to people who uh, couldn't make decisions. They changed sides constantly. They were basically traitors, but not exactly. Um, and they just run in circles as bees, mm -hmm. as bees sting them. They're chasing a flag. Um, and that's called the vestibule of punishment. And I think you could call this purgatory. You, this is not limbo, um, but you could call it purgatory or it's a vestibule of punishment. And since the guy is literally running in a circle, I feel like that's a pretty good assessment. I still, I feel like you're doing something right now and I don't like it. What's that? I feel like you're trying to blow up my beer choice. Couldn't find a beer called purgatory. Found a beer called limbo. Yeah, it's hard. Don't, don't. I'm willing go to go there for your beer choice. That's close Thank enough you. for a beer choice. The degree of difficulty is high. However, mm -hmm. Limbo is reserved for people who weren't baptized. They actually have a pretty sweet. They live in a sure. giant library, man. Yeah, they just get a read. It's yeah. like that fucking episode of The Twilight Zone. Don't break your glasses, though. That's Yeah, it's bad when that happens. Yeah, poor Burgess. He finally okay, had we, time. We've got to be done with this fucking first segment. <laughs> Rated overall go overall yeah the the first segment rate it okay Give me a okay. one out of ten i did, this is yeah i'm gonna go with the seven on this one this is it's a great establishing shot as a short okay. film it's it's very solid if you saw this thing on youtube you would recommend it to your friends i yeah well done i i did do that like they released this first segment prior to the movie i thought it was kind of interesting and i watched it and i was stoked oh, for this movie so that, that exact thing did happen and i can can confirm was good um 
So what's your rating? I perfect. I'm 10, trying to find a way to be different from you, but I can't. I I'm, I guess I'll give it a seven as well. Yeah, a, it's a very solid entry to an anthology film that keeps you. I mean, it gets you excited for what's coming. Okay, so. so I guess keep it short. But why isn't it higher? I don't love the way the Reapers looked, and this is the segment where they're most heavily featured. Yep, in daylight at least. I'll add that caveat. There, this is also, I mean, in in nighttime too. This is the most sure. heavily featured. Reaper. But daylight is like the the source of the problem that I have with them. Okay, fair enough. Because of the way the light reflects and all that, I think kind of brings out the worst of them. But in any case, I think that that probably could have been toned down a bit. That's fair. Other than that, I loved it. Yeah, I, I in this in the uh, in the sense of being different in that motivation, I, I I could easily go higher. This was okay. This could easily be an eight or a nine. I, I guess wow. I just you you forced me into a corner and I, I panicked. You I don't went first. I don't have. <laughs> I panicked. I don't have a lot to argue with. Uh, come to think of it, I the other th- thing we haven't talked about is the scene in the bathroom where the dude just kind of has a ghost pull on his t shirt or whatever. Sure. Uh, I, I'll 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 just so that we're different on this one. I'll go up. I'll think it's an eight. Great. Yeah. I'm glad you just fucking made that choice. Our, it means a lot. Our the world is now a different totally place. Totally arbitrary scale. We are now different on it. And as we typically do with anthologies, I think we need to find another thing to rate these on. And I don't know. I'm kind of stuck on like, this movie's called Southbound. Let's rate the degree to which things go south in each segment. How fucking bad does this segment get? Um, It starts out bad and it gets worse, right? Yes. So it actually, when you think about it, doesn't go that far south. I, I, this is, I'm, I'm gonna set the baseline here. This is a five. Things go south, but they were already bad when it started, and we'll talk about okay. that when we get to the fifth segment. Okay. Um, I am going to go with a seven. All right. Seven and seven. Backing yourself um, into a corner. They were pretty nice. bad. Like they'd seen some shit. We don't know that as the viewer yet. You can tell. They're covered in blood. It's heavily implied. Heavily implied. <laughs> They're covered in blood. However, however, it goes from like, okay, they probably just murdered someone to dude is being impaled and his like entire body is just being like ripped in half through his esophagus by a floating reaper and another dude is locked in a room for eternity. As another reaper just sort of like laughs at him. Pretty bad. That's worse punishment than one would expect. I'm going higher than average great. by the decent margins. It's not seven. great. Okay, fair enough. We got to move on. Next segment, segment two. Siren. Yeah, or as I labeled it, Chicas. Chicas. This is the Chicas segment. And this is where you are introduced to one of the really clever things that this movie does. And that's the way it ties its segments together. Aforementioned dude gets locked in the room for eternity, ostensibly, and you kind of just pan over in another room at this hotel in the middle of nowhere. Door opens. Out comes Chica's. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting to think about how the individual segments transition into each other because they're all panning shots. Uh So Mitch gets trapped in the thing, and then it's just a panning shot over to the next door, and the girls come out. Spoilers for the next segments, whatever. But the girl is running out of the highway, pan over, car, boom, third segment. And then guy is leaving the hospital, pan over, lady in a phone booth, boom, fourth yeah. segment. 
and it's like, kind of you can tell they are separate segments, but yeah. they don't they flow together to a degree that you don't typically see in anthologies. A lot of anthologies go right for like we are going to straight up like tell you you are in a new segment, like another 2016 one holidays like tells you. <laughs> This is this holiday, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this definitely. is just a movie. Uh, VHS does the same. The X or not the just XX does the same. Um, I, I I always kind of think that's interesting. Like the way this movie did it, I wonder if there was how much communication there was between directors. Uh, there had to be a lot. I mean, this is a level of integration like you see in something like Trick or Treat is another example. Of uh, that's that's like another really good well example. Integrated. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, at a certain point, you have to, like, dictate how the story before you ends in order for your story to work correctly. Sure. Right. I mean, ultimately, you just I have mean, to say, I'm like, sure that the script was, like, very tight, so. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. Let's get into it, though. What's Chica's it. about? It's about a, a band on the road. They're out here in the desert for whatever reason. They're playing gigs at probably some shithole bars. Um there's kind of a weird dynamic because they had lost someone in the past that was a member of their band. I, I am a little vague on it still after seeing it twice. They leave She's, it very vague. I think yeah. I think she was hammered. She was ham bones. Uh, and they let her drive, and she got into an accident and killed herself. Okay, that's not good. That is, uh, well, that's what I'm ascribing to the situation, at least. Got it. Yeah, well... Um, I mean, basically, they're just... They're traveling on their gigs, blah, blah, blah. They're in a they're in a van and their van breaks down on the side of the road uh kind of shit out of luck so yeah car comes by and they we've seen we've ride. seen that set up to a movie before right that's wolf creek that's like that's every movie yeah there's a lot of them yeah and they get picked up by like fucking leave it to beaver family <laughs> <laughs> just the most pleasant family straight out of the 1950s yeah definitely so, but that's what's unsettling. We yeah, we already we already out of time. We already synopsized this segment. It's a fucking cult. You're not surprised. My question is, what? So if so, if this band of uh, the three girls are are new denizens of purgatory, and they're being punished for what they allowed Alex to do to herself, what are the what are the other people here? So they. Like, are they here by by their own accord? Like, did they did their cult in the real world actually like transition them into being immortal in purgatory? How does that work? I don't know how anyone that is not like subject to this punishment air quotes is in this world. Okay, throughout the movie, I mean, why are the people in the diner there? Why is the maid who's cleaning the rooms at the hotel there? Ah, uh, yeah, the maid. The maid is an innocent casualty, uh, as are, as is the other lady, whatever her name is, Sutton or whatever, at the uh, first segment. Sutter. I, I actually really think that's where this movie starts to shine. Is if you continue to ponder the backstory of the supporting characters that aren't the main sure. characters of the individual segments, and they actually have, to have gotten there somehow. That's what the fourth segment is about. Yeah. So hate it or love it i tend to dislike it but i do think it serves an important purpose that the that you can arrive in this zone without you can think it's okay it's okay we'll get there but the important thing to take away from it is that you can arrive in this zone without like without needing to without being punished for something else Uh uh-huh so 
in that way, this family, so it's this married couple and then there's a friend of theirs that's a mar- another married couple that has this fucking weird ass set of twins. Um I I honestly think that like so they were in a cult in the real world and they actually just transitioned themselves into hell of their own volition. Sure. Cuz that's where that's where you're ripe for recruiting new members of your cult. Yeah, it's a pretty good spot for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the real, like, what this segment does well is, I, for a short especially, like, the build. It does a very good job of, like, the creepy build of this family. Just, like, ex- you know what's coming. Yeah. It's exposing it and exposing it more and more and more. You say um, you say creepy. I'm going to change that I word. I say creepy. I'm going to change that to the word eerie. Because I think okay. those evoke slightly different emotions. It's just it, these people are just fucking weird, and there's there's like a sure. there's a level of horror that we don't talk about too frequently, especially on this podcast. That's just like <laughs> social awkwardness horror. Ah, it's because we've never experienced that, Mark. Yes, we are all very yeah okay. We're all very socially stable individuals. But there's 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 like a certain trope in horror that's nothing sinister is happening. Yep. But just through something, just through the sheer weirdness of the situation, you're uneasy, yep. and that's what this yep. segment is. Until the very, and it end. does that for a substantial amount of time, especially for a short, like I said, until the black meat comes out. Yeah, meat chunk. Embrace the chunk, Jake. Embrace it. Embrace the chunk. I mean, really, there's not there's not nearly as much to talk about with this one as there was with the prior. Um, it's cult. They feed her friends some shit. She's a lot more dubious of the situation, so she is reluctant to eat and doesn't and is a vegetarian or whatever, so... So she doesn't get brainwashed. She doesn't get brainwashed. Vegetarians, you're safe. Yeah. Social commentary. Indeed. This one was directed by Roxanne Benjamin. Um, She has not... Which is a great name. Really solid name. Yeah, she's she's been involved also with VHS. She's recently done XX or Double X or or what have you, another anthology film. So she is heavy in that anthology territory. Gotcha. What were um, her credits from those two films? Directing segments. Which segments is what I'm asking about? Mark, you're asking me to do work on this. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like she did the Don't Fall segment of XX. Okay. Those are her two directing credits, this and that. She's been a producer on several. Uh, VHS, VHS2, VHS Viral. She's all up in the VHS. Uh, XX Outbound. She's cut a, a niche for herself. It sounds, it sounds like. Co-produced The Devil's Candy. Co-produced The Devil's Candy. Really? As well. So okay. Keep Which, that in mind. Uh, one of the two members of the current happening of this podcast uh, reviewed very highly, if I remember I correctly. Did. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah, so overall on this one, Mark. This is an interesting one for me. This is one of the ones that I looked back on as not wanting to go through again from the first sure. time I watched it. Sure. And I actually think it stood up particularly well. It, it might, which to me means that it probably has more to do with your sense of like what movie you want to watch. It, it's more subjective than the rest of them. Um, if you're up for a cult, weird black vomit, brainwashing, bear trap type movie, 
You know, like one of those. That's a pretty common subgenre, I think. Lots of hyphens. Uh, then, then this is right up your alley. I, I would go a little bit. I mean, it's a. It, this is basically the baseline for the movie. This is a five. It's creepy. It takes a long time to build. Uh, but ultimately, I I do think it capitalizes well enough and is worth it to watch. Mm-hmm. Would you give it? I gave it a six. I I think the important distinction between what you just said and what I'm gonna say is, it feels. Like, it takes a long time to build, because it really doesn't. None of these are particularly long, um, but it feels like fucking ages, and I really appreciated that, particularly on the second viewing of the movie. Um, I agree with what you said, though. Like, I wasn't particularly looking forward to watching this part of the movie again, but it held up pretty well, and I think that part of that is, like, when you don't know what you're going into, I'm not the hugest fan of like the cult type deal. And once you got into the segment, you were like, you knew what was coming to a degree. And yeah, I was kind of they like, telegraph yeah, it I'm not feeling off. it, but I knew what was coming this time. And I was like, I don't really want to watch this. But then I like just embraced it as it started. And I, I was able to pay attention to some of this other, some of these other qualities that we were mentioning, like yeah. how long, of a build it feels like it is taking it ramps up that. well yeah i also think that this one was particularly well acted i thought that the three uh the band members did a really good job um it felt believable so to i would agree that i don't think you saw in the segment before with the radio silence guys yeah there's some development here that's definitely this is probably the most developed characters you get agreed yeah which i appreciated so I guess I guess one thing I'm going to put out there is I am rating this movie overall within the world of Southbound. I don't know if I'm really using my overall rating as I would of for the overall rating of the other movies. So are you rating it like you would rate this as a feature length movie if you saw it like that? Or are you just saying like as it pertains to the other shorts of Southbound? No, I'm trying to do the former because if I were trying to do the latter, I'd have to have like one that's a one and one that's a ten. Hmm. Okay, good to know. How fucking far south did this segment go, Mark? This is an eight. Uh, they start out like prolific. This is an eight, huh? They they start out as as band as band members, artists on the road, going from gig to gig. Uh, they seem to have a pretty good life. They're promoted around town. You see posters for their bands, the white their, for their band, town. the White Tights. Town in town. the background. There's two town? towns. Well, okay, whatever. That gas station in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Okay. If Dude, if a gas station in the middle of nowhere has your poster, that means you're a big deal. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, you're a big deal. Hey, which... man, I'm I'm not going to judge Queens of the Stone Age or from basically the same place. So there you go. Can deal. My point is they start off pretty well. They just lost a friend, so things are a little shitty. But two of them are brainwashed, and the other girl gets... T- Bear trapped and then obliterated by an automobile. That goes pretty far south from where it starts. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about that? I gave it a nine. Okay. We're on the same page. Uh, the only thing that's keeping this one from being a 10 is that they already had to deal with the fact that they lost someone. And you are literally incapable of giving a 10 on anything? False. Okay. We'll see let's how that plays on. out. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's move on, Mark. All right. Which takes us to segment number three, affectionately called Splatterdam. I'm pretty sure that's the official name of the of the uh, whole thing. I saw that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's catchy. 
<laughs> Splatterdam. Um, it's actually called The Accident. Well named. Uh, as whatever yeah. the hell her name is, is running away, she gets fucking obliterated by this guy texting on the highway. Like, one of the biggest scenes of obliteration by a vehicle I've ever seen. Up there with Final Destination, yeah. Oh, yeah, she gets wrecked. And And the thing about it is also... It's almost like an Austin Powers level. She's she's out there. She sees the car coming. She's waving her arms and screaming. And yeah. she doesn't, for some reason, think to take, like... He's not slowing down. One or two steps to the side. She just allows herself to get laid out by a car going 80 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. And that, I guess... Not good. You, you slowly get, in most segments, you get introduced to what the people's sins are and what, what brings them to this place in the first... The the best snapshot you get of this guy, who's the protagonist of part three, is that he texts while driving. That's like his whole thing. That's why he's an asshole. Pretty big PSA. <laughs> yeah. A to Z horror. Not supportive of texting while driving. Yeah, but he, he kind of has that air of like, he's I'm, probably like a big money maker douchebag. Yeah, he's more important um, than you type of dude. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be like that. Don't be holier than thou truth that's the that's the impression you get don't do that don't text and drive so this segment is i'm trying to come up with another example uh that that would compete with it but i'm just gonna go for this this is the most unique horror segment i've seen think about more what the most you that is like the vaguest thing that sounds also the most hyperbolic. Uh, I'm just, I mean, okay, it's, it's, it is admittedly hyperbolic, but it is a very unique segment. Like, the whole point is just him, presumably with no medical background whatsoever, performing surgery-level fixings on this girl that he just obliterated Sorry. on the highway in an abandoned hospital. It's fucked up. The segment's fucked up. It's on, on a couple levels. Uh, this yeah. is the one that we we tagged at the beginning as being most gore heavy, which is certainly fair. There's a lot of arms going the or I guess legs going the wrong way. At yeah. one point, he bear hugs her lung to keep it from collapsing or something. It's unclear. Very unclear. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that's what kills her. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> actually that's actually the other brutal part of this is despite the fact that she just got demolished, she's alive and suffering uh, oh, for the entire the length. I mean, probably 12 of the 15 minutes of the short, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, just And she does, to her credit, to the actress's credit, she does a lot of, like, eye acting. Oh, yeah. Which is literally all you can do when your appendages aren't attached to your body anymore. But... Um, yeah, I, I actually think for what it's for what it is, she does a good job of being the being the corpse. <laughs> totally, I, the the actress that plays that's Sadie, right? Yes, uh, baby well, and sure. Therese. Like she has to do quite a few things here, and one of the notable things is you mentioned there's a lot of appendages going in ways that they should not be going. Um, she has one of those things where she can like bend her arm backwards at the elbow because of reasons. One of those things. And she did that. So they were able to like actually show some 
like a real thing happening. That's, that's the real practical like effect. That's not even an effect. That's just that's at that real. point, it's just acting. Yeah. So kudos, Fabian. I don't honestly have a whole lot to say about the segment because it's very straightforward. It's just him in a hospital. It, it sort of is, but like the part that we haven't really touched on is that um, he calls nine one one. Like he, this dude, like immediately tries to do considering the circumstances, the right thing. He could very easily have left this girl to die in the middle of the highway and continue driving. And may have in the past, depending on how you interpret the movie. Correct. Because there's definitely, like, they pause on it. They linger on it. He considers the decision of just driving away. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But he does not. He calls 911, and he is directed to take her to town to go to this hospital to perform these horrendous acts horrendous acts on her <laughs> helpless body uh until she just sort of dies or does she i don't know he does he does all he can getting... do for her <laughs> it's not it's not i mean he squeezes her lung and she, she either die she either dies or in just or is just left in, in impressive agony i'm pretty sure she dies okay fine. i took it to she dies um, because he's being fucked with by these other inhabitants of purgatory. What's happening? What's happening here? It's the vestibule of punishment, Jake. And then he leaves. <laughs> he leaves. They allow him to leave. So actually, this is this is the argument for it being purgatory. Um, this is him apparently escaping. They allow him to leave. Otherwise, like he tries to leave earlier in the segment, and the doors are locked. So he can't get out. And then after he does, after he exhausts all of the issues, there's also an extended piece of them trying to explain to him that he can't blame himself and he shouldn't spiral himself into a circle of doubt and all this other shit. They allow him to leave and he drives off into the darkness. And I think as far as these segments go, this is the happiest ending you're going to get. He, Which is such, it's in such, such juxtaposition to the rest of how that went because it was so intense. Yeah, it is, it's a brutal, it is a brutal segment. But if you interpret it as I think the movie asks you to, weirdly, it's a happy ending for the main guy. I agree. I agree. Okay. It was very efficient. We got through that, like... Like a this car one. through a hitchhiker. Yeah. This one directed by David Bruckner. He directed the first segment of VHS, uh, Amateur Night, the one with the the glasses and the the one that was home. the one that was turned into a feature length film called Siren, the succubus. Yes. Yeah, Siren didn't go so well. <laughs> I yeah, I immediately didn't hear anything about it. It was like relatively hyped on on its release, and then it came out, and it, and no one talked about it since. For good reason. Well, that'll happen. That will happen. What would you rate this one? This is my favorite. This is the most memorable. Uh, I actually don't even know. So this is a hard one to, to juxtapose with the first segment because the first segment's way more complex. But uh-huh. this is the one that's memorable. I'm also yeah. going to give this an eight. Uh, assuming that you're allowing me to retroactively upgrade my first segment to an eight. I, I find this to be a unique and interesting story. It goes a different direction from the rest of them. It sets itself apart, and it's very memorable as far as the overall film is concerned. Mm-hmm. 
I, I would I think, wager that if you walk out of this, you prob you probably actually, if I were to put money on it, you would remember the frame narrative first and last primacy and recency bias. But I I think that this one's going to stick with you quite a bit as well. This is the this is the part of the movie that sticks. I mean, I agree with everything you just said, but this is the one that sticks with you in terms of like the visceral, guttural like feeling that it leaves. There's a thing that you remember in terms of like, oh, this is cool because the movie was structured in this way. But this is the one that sticks with you in your gut. And like, I'm giving this one a nine. This is one of the more unique segments I've ever seen in an anthology. And I think that everything that it does when you compare it to the other segments and the fact that like we talked about this guy's circumstances and what ultimately may or may not have happened, uh, very different the juxtaposition as well between how brutal it was and how happy air quotes heavy air quotes the ending is uh is a really really nice touch i love this segment happy like a country song yeah which means not yep exactly so okay i'm gonna put that right back at you what are you gonna give it for the degree to which it goes south yeah um i'm gonna give it a seven it goes pretty damn far south interesting obliterates and kills someone but he does get out. He does get out. Yes. And this is where I'm doing more of the comparative thing. Whereas for the overall rating for each segment, I'm kind of like, what would I rate this in a vacuum? For how far south does it go? I kind of have to think about the other ones as part of the game. So. Fair. Not um, as far south as the last because we're count. Don't don't fucking double dip, Mark. She got hit in the last segment. She got hit in this segment. Actually, no, I agree with you. She got hit in the last segment because that helps my argument. That helps my argument. She got hit in the last segment. I gave this a two. You said it exactly right. He gets out. Uh, It goes poorly for the victim. It goes extremely poorly. It's not a two, dude. It uh, Look. That's like, hey, it basically didn't go south at all. That's like. The dude makes it out of hell. But a two in terms of something, a situation going south is basically like you've had nights in your lifetime, Mark, where you would say that things have gone south to a degree of a two. I guarantee it. Is this a two? Jake, by that regard, literally every movie we have reviewed is a scare factor of 10. No, it's not. That's asinine. (laughs) No, exactly. That's my point. I'm adjusting it for the fact that this is a horror genre movie that is set literally in hell. Or, I guess, at least purgatory. <laughs> not literally hell. Hell, not hell. Hell, comma, not hell. Not uh, literally at all. Well, no, I mean, literally both in the sense that that is it and also that it's based on literature. So, two different literallys. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> Don't laugh at yourself. That was bad. Uh, someone's got to laugh. Jack's not here to support my inane ramblings. Mm-hmm. My favorite move is the Destructo Disc. Um, you gave it a two. Really? The, yeah, I did give it a two, and I stand okay. by that. Like in it, Within the degree to which these things go south, it starts out pretty bad. He's, he, it starts out with him pretty bad committing the sin that he is in hell for in the first place. It texting. ends with him, yeah, texting while driving. Basically, well, you texting. said you said it. Texting in the specific example, but in the global example, it's him. I guess being prideful. It's him being. I think he's like self-absorbed, is which his. is pride, right? He's yes. he's saying that he's more important than the safety of others. 
But, uh, and then he and then he demolishes. He demonstrates him. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then he overcomes that. Uh, very clearly diminishes the, or breaks down the walls of pride he has, uh, both with regards to the victim that he basically killed and the people on the phone who end up laughing him at laughing at him at the end, which I think is kind of an important little subnote. Yes. And then they essentially forgive him, and he walks out of the hospital and presumably drives out of hell. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't really come up with a better outcome for that. He starts out in hell and ends up not in hell. That's very low. That that's that's northbound. Huh. So maybe I was kind of double dipping. Yeah. That's a fair argument. You did a lot better than I thought you would. I'm proud yeah, of you. Yeah, I do that like once every like seven or eight shows. Yeah. I yeah. string together enough words that they make sense together. He went northbound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's move on. We've talked a lot about this next segment. Segment four. Not really. We've 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 hinted at it. We've punted quite a bit. Uh, this is the yes. segment I've referred to as dive bar in my notes. It is actually called jailbreak, <laughs> as far as the production credits are concerned. Okay. Set this one up, I guess. Do it. I glossed I, over this in the synopsis, so the listener has no idea what's happening at this point. You enter this one with the like dispatcher from the phone that was laughing at dude from the last segment, like hanging up the phone and walking into the bar to get a drink. Called the and trap. The bar is called the trap. Sure. And there are some people. You might call them regulars hanging out in this bar. Um, dude busts in with a shotgun. He's looking for someone that he exposits is his sister. Truth. He's here to get her, and he goes about it in an interesting way. Yeah, by kidnapping the bartender, who is the uh, one of the only recognizable faces in this movie, unless you're like deep into Hollywood horror culture. But uh, the the barkeep in this one is the one barkeep. of the one of the guards from Orange Is the New Black. Um, so you actually might recognize this, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then cult vampire werewolf things happen. There, yeah. There's a lot of like stuff that it's just kind of there, but it doesn't delve way into. I don't know. <laughs> this is this is the like honestly what this is is the end of the second act of a family drama movie that isn't horror. It's set against a horror backdrop, but there's no horror here. That's that's the weird thing about this segment. What are segment. you talking about? There's horror. I they they throw it they inject it because they have to. There's like the dude who transforms into a werewolf to attack him who gets his head blown off. But as far as the bare bones of the story, it's a dude trying to find his sister. That's not horror. I don't know. I found this segment to have some eeriness to it. I liked the addition of, since the beginning of this movie, the setting is a fascinating one. You're in, you're in the desert. There is complete barren, empty waste around you for a substantial distance. and Probably infinite distance. Just probably infinite. Based on the world. Yeah. So, I mean, that's scary enough, but then it adds... The fact that, like, you go out there into the desert, there's shit out there that you're not going to be able to deal with. There's lost souls. I I like that. There's, like, these people who just fell into the river. Yes. What's the river called? Well, sticks. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well done. (laughs) 
what, I am what so I smart. Thought, what I thought this segment failed at, and that's kind of a, the wrong way to put it, but where this one kind of lost me was it was it had so many different little things going for it. Like there was the the werewolf dude in the bar and the lost souls in the desert and the cultish like demonic super powered guy i don't know maybe he was going to transform into werewolf too and it was just werewolves i don't know but he didn't get that opportunity because he got his head blown off too um a lot going on i felt like it could have been more focused so much well and to pile on that point um they this is the most character driven segment but i would also say it is the least character developed segment this is the one that relies the most on backstory to be there, but it's also absolutely bankrupt as far as character development. Yeah. And that's realistic. Like that's the main problem that I have is you just there's do not Im- give a shit. What happens to these people? There's an important point with this. He finds his sister uh, spoilers. He has aged substantially since the time that he last saw her there. They, exposition tells you they were about the same age he is now way older than her so what does that mean and you can kind of put two and two together but they're but they also tell you (laughs) not really i mean they tell well okay continue finish your thought that was the end of my thought oh my so they tell you that she killed their parents when she was a kid and they always played it up as it was an accident, but she reveals that she did it on that purpose. She murdered them, and yep. I mean, you could you could go there. She probably committed suicide or something at a certain point to get into this realm, and he has somehow found the earthly mechanism for finding her here. Um, what? Rob, she got here somehow because she killed her parents and did not regret it whatsoever. Right. He's trying to pull her out of that abyss, either metaphorically or literally. Yes. The thing you get from the you get actually get a little bit of world building in this, and that's why it's an important segment. I, I still don't think it's a very good segment, but the stuff you do get from this that is functional is that you can choose to be in this place of your own volition, and that the people who are in it are knowledgeable of the fact that this is not the real world they're they are knowledgeable of the fact that they're damned Mm -hmm. however there are interlopers like everyone else basically every other protagonist who are completely unaware of the fact that they have accidentally stumbled upon this place the vestibule the vestibule yeah exactly it is an important segment i would agree with that but yeah it's it's tough. It I, I, I get why it's here, but to a certain extent, it's filler. And that's fine. All, all anthology movies have filler. And frankly, all movies have the filler parts of the acts that you just need to lay the piping for the other bits to work. I mean, even, even, or even the best movies you watch have these. They disguise them well, but you need yeah, something like this. Yeah, they can like space this. them out a little more. Yeah, yeah. It's harder in an anthology since it has to be concentrated, sort of by definition. Sure. So, what'd you rate this one? I uh, overall, this one's not not super strong. I gave it. A, I'll just give it a two. Why not? 
I'm wow. not being held okay. to this. Not super strong, almost as bad as it gets, huh? Yeah. Okay, great. I'm giving it a five. If they made a feature-length movie out of this, it would not... Well, they could actually... Uh, I, this is interesting. Of I the, feel like if they made a feature-length movie, they'd be forced to give that explanation to what it was lacking in backstory. That's a that's a fair point. I think I think if you were to make this a feature-length movie, it probably has the widest variance of all yeah. of the shorts if you turn them into uh, feature-length yeah. movies. It could yeah. be interesting and cool, but... It could be the worst thing or, you've ever seen. Yeah, if you continue the level of quality that is present in this short... Yeah. Probably not great. I don't think it was quality. It was more or less just like... It felt clumsy. It it didn't feel focused. I don't know about clumsy, but the focus wasn't there. Okay, and actually, and ex- I, I, that I mean that's a good point. You can focus yourself over the course of a feature length movie. Yes, but if you're unfocused and feature length, that's a really big problem. We see that too, unfortunately. This one, uh, yeah, I like I said, I gave it five. Like I I think it's in its level of importance is. Not to be forgotten, but and the eeriness that's there is also good, but it just it could not grab me uh because of the lack of I don't know, integration with what was going on. There were too many like dissonant things happening. So I guess w- one problem. thing that's an in- an interesting little like data metric on this one. In this a segment data metric data metric in this you segment. You better use a number, motherfucker. In this segment, there are at least, depending on how you define them, three different settings. In the other segments, there are at most, I'm talking about Siren here, chapter two, two. Realistically, the other ones basically all have one setting. This one goes from place to place to place, arguably back to place. Bar, tattoo, parlor, desert. And then you could say actually like back to tattoo parlor. This could you you sure. could very easily argue this has five different settings over the course of fifteen minutes. Yeah, and that's why this segment doesn't work. How far south did it go? Uh, I would actually say this is one of the ones that doesn't go that far south. the The big twist here is that the guy's trying to get his sister out, and then two thirds of the way through, she reveals that she does not want to be pulled out. Uh, yeah. so that really fucking sucks for that guy because he just volunteered himself for hell for no purpose whatsoever. I I mean, I guess a six. He knew what he was getting into, and it went poorly. Yeah, and this is already I, an arbitrary scale. <laughs> same reason, same score. Okay. Which takes us to Happy Schmappy Ice Cream Family. Yeah, the way in is the title of the last segment. Or Happy Schmappy Ice Cream Family. Sure, Mark. <laughs> happy Schmappy Ice Cream Family. What do you what do you think about this one? One thing to note is this movie as a whole, and this segment in particular, has really good background music. <laughs> um I they have just this charming little soundtrack that's going on in the background all the time. It I believe, so this plays later in the segment, not exactly at the start, but it also is something that's playing in the first segment because these two are connected. Um, but there's a, it's a Barbara Paul song called Don't Let the Party End. It's yeah. like a 1950s, like, doo-wop girl group oh, song. 
the party. Yeah, think like yeah, it's my party and I'll cry too. if I want to type of like that level of of song. And it's it's a really nice backdrop. I like it a lot. It is. It's it's cool. Um, I I mean it's it's largely contrapuntal or whatever. Like it's a super charming song set against a home invasion. If you're not Jake slasher movie, so contrapuntal, Mark. Yes, contrafunk. Um, aside from that, I think it, the the setup to this. It, it definitely takes a turn in the third act, but the first two acts of this short horror movie are a very solid home invasion movie. Uh-huh. It, like I said earlier, it is a copy pasta of The Strangers. It's just a bunch of people in the background looking menacing, and then shit gets real. Yeah, I mean, I did, like... I'm not the hugest fan of home invasion. Like, it's fine. I thought that this was a nice... If you're going to do Home Invasion, I think it did what it needed to do. It got in, it got out, and it did so in a quick, efficient manner because it had to. And I enjoyed that. I think a lot of what I don't like about certain Home Invasion flicks is that as you start to like drag on, it really loses me because you introduce scenarios where logic does not apply. And let me is a big offender of this one. Let me interject here as well. Uh, the, uh, yeah, there's almost always <laughs> some, I'm having an internal argument with myself. I frequently Great. do that. It's good radio. <laughs> <laughs> the strangers notwithstanding, or I guess withstanding, they, they, you, the problem with, uh, home invasion is you almost always have the motivation introduced and it's almost always terrible. The Strangers is a good movie because they never go into it. They're just fucking psychopaths who are attacking you. But yeah. almost every other that I can come up with home invasion movie has some like second act reveal of why these people are invading your home. And yeah. they're generally bad reasons. This one is a little bit different. Because... Sure. This is a this is a reciprocity thing. This is they're they're paying back the owner of this home because turns out he is a giant douche. Oh, big time. Yeah, he's a bad human. He yeah. either assaulted or somehow led to the demise of the main guy Mitch, the one from the his first segment, his daughter. Daughter. Yeah. It's really bad. They're bad bad not good background. <laughs> bad with bad, this not dude. Good. Uh, yeah, and I don't really know how to feel about that. Like, we've never seen a home invasion movie where you're, like, rooting for the home invaders. I guess you could say don't breathe to some extent, but that's kind of a different... Yeah. It's, um, it's a different, like, breed of movie. This one is is, like, a serious emotional, like, thing. Yeah, and it also you it's kind of not even fair because by the time you get here, you've seen what ultimately happens with these guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a really weird sensation. This whole thing, this this home invasion scenario is painted by the fact that you know that there is like supernatural shenanigans, those are happening. Not yet. You well, yes. Well, yeah, okay, probably. Yes, yet, and you know what happens. So, how do you feel? 
is what this segment ultimately asks you. What side are you on? There's a there's a do you certain believe in the eye for the an eye for an eye. Like wh- where do you stand? And I like that. That's fair. There is a certain level if you think too much about this segment, there's like a level of Tralfamadorian logic. I almost wonder if these guys are trapped forever in this cycle and they are the only ones that we see that can't break out. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is sort of interesting and poetic in its own right as far as like the world. I, I mean, it's completely arbitrary because I'm making this up as I go along, but like since they create the genesis of the Reapers, I don't know if this, like, I don't think this world can just collapse and not exist. This place has to, has to happen. So realistically, their punishment, as far as I'm concerned, the, the two, all three guys actually, this happens the same every time, and this is eternity. And there's probably a reason why the first segment seems to be set in the 1970s. Like, they've just been yeah. at it for that long. Yeah. Yeah. Their punishment is kind of creating their punishment that creates their punishment. That creates their punishment. Yes. Dude. It's poetic. Did we just crack this thing? I think we just cracked that egg. Wide fucking open. What <laughs> would you rate the fifth segment, Mark? Uh, I think it's a very good uh home invasion yep this is a like seven ish range i'll give this one a seven i think it's it's very good and then there are some stupid decisions and some wonky things that happen i we haven't talked about this yet but well they always are they sort of accidentally on purpose kill the daughter which is the inciting incident for opening up the gates of hell Mm -hmm. and everything betwixt them letting the daughter go and them opening up the gates of hell is just and well and actually the end of this the end of the movie as a whole is kind of just weird like it just doesn't it's one of those like horror movie decisions that works in the sense that it's a horror movie but if you think about it it's a really all of there's so many layers of really fucking stupid decision here yeah yeah so there's a lot of things you can criticize, but if you just go with the first two-ish acts of the movie and take it as a home invasion, I, I will say that I love the fact that the ice cream parlor uh, that they start at is called the Freezing Over. That's yeah. a nice. That's a nice little touch. Very nice. Um, this movie's full of those. Yeah, 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 exactly. So if you just take the first two acts, it's good. If you if you consider the thing holistically and really start thinking about it, that sweater unravels quick. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the only thing that I'll add to, to what you're saying is what I mentioned a moment ago, where this is relatively unique in the home invasion subgenre in that it makes you think about like what side you're on with this because of the unique circumstances of having seen what happens before and after because of the cyclical nature. That's interesting. Uh, ultimately, I'm not going to go much higher than you, though. I do agree with you. I'm going to go seven and a half. For this segment, on how this, far south does it go? On this completely arbitrary scale, we are a half point apart. Perfect scale. Uh, as far as how far south this goes, I'm going to give this one the 10. This is a 10. Are you? Objectively. They start out, literally nothing is wrong. They, there is a happy schmappy ice cream family sending their daughter off to college. You could not have a happier start to a horror movie. Yep. And they end up 
all dead, all dead, and in hell. <laughs> one of their one well, of their they don't cohort necessarily end up in hell. One of their cohort is dragged to the depths of hell with by the chains of the Grim Reapers as the crust breaks open. This is a yeah, ten. That's fair. This has that's to fair. be a ten. That's fair. <laughs> that's what did fair. you give it? I gave it a nine point five. Of course you did. Of course. Yeah. Why because isn't it a ten? Cyclo- Why isn't it a ten, uh, Jake? The cyclical nature of it means that you know you part something's amiss at the start, Mark, and I'm not going to give this a ten because it doesn't deserve it. I'm just going to drink my beer. This stick is wearing thin, Jake. I know. I have tens in my head. I know which what deserves a ten. Let it's us high. It's- put them out there. Put them out there. No, not right now. We'll okay. get there. Yeah, not right now. Just like slide them in. We have to review things. We're working on it. Oh my god! On a weekly basis. Does that mean that we get to fucking finally rate the whole damn thing as a whole movie? Yes. Let's get to it. We over at A to Z Horror rank our movies on a one to ten scale. For one. Think of D'Angelo Vickers' joke-telling abilities post-brain injury. Pal says to bartender, how can I tap? Bartender says, four-time power. Everybody tap? Everybody tap. Everybody tap. And for ten, think of how Corey Crawford would rate his town and his teammates. Walk here, right, Chicago! Biggest bunch of beauties in the league fucking worked their nuts off for this trophy. So, Mark, we are revisiting this movie. You have rated it before, so this is kind of the interesting dynamic we have here. Are these going to change? Are they going to stay the same? First category is story. What are you giving this thing overall for story? As far as the dynamic goes, I have not reviewed what I gave this on the first time around. I'm not... Totally certain I actually wrote this one up in the first place, so... You did. Oh, all So right. you'd be wrong. Uh, it's on the website, listener. There is a review from a year ago. Super Mark duper. and Jack reviewed it on the Odd Man Out. I'm just going to put the uh, disclaimer out there. It is very hard to come up with individual oh. reviews for an anthology oh, movie. it's a hard movie to review? It's a hard movie oh. to review. Oh. Poor I gave, guy. I gave it a seven. The this this is where the movie shines. Ultimately, I think with anthology movies, it's it's very hard to get above this rating because how disconnected everything is. But the connective tissue is there in this movie. You do get the sense that these things exist simultaneously, or at least parallel paths. Uh, there's some issues, like I said, with the last segment. If you start to pick at that sweater, things really start to fall apart. But Ultimately, like this is this is an anthology movie with a very very strong story backing it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll see your seven and I'll raise you one. I'm gonna give it an eight. Oh damn! That's, that's mostly on the merits of that's what I gave it the first time around. Ooh. Uh, now, what this I agree with everything you said, and I think that there's there's something to be said for the uniqueness of the cyclical nature that this movie proposes 
and presents you with as the viewer, it's really fucking unique and cool. And I think that you could very easily fuck something like that up. Like you mentioned, if you really get into it, you can start picking things apart. But you still have that general idea, and that's the important part, and it's something that I haven't seen a ton of. So I really like that. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't have a whole lot of things to argue with in that sense. That, that's Clearly, the right neighborhood. the first time around you gave an eight, so I'm just going to point out, you should continue not looking. I'm going to do an exercise with you. Uh, How far off is Mark? I've spoiled this already. <laughs> you fucking asshole. What? Okay. Immer- you can see. You are literally world watching me bu- look at the document right now. World building and immersion is our second category. Mark, what did you give it? Okay. In the sense of keeping this kosher, I wrote these down in advance. I have seen what my reviews are now because yes. we live in a world where that's possible. But no. uh, I'm going to go with what I specifically wrote down after the movie. This is a seven. Uh, this is a problem with anthologies. You generally get yanked out and pushed back in into different things, and it's very hard to get in. But the nice thing about this one is the individual movies build the world of the rest of the movies. So even though you are getting yanked out as far as the individual narratives are confirmed or concerned, the... That's <laughs> <laughs> just a real word that's different. Yeah, uh, it rhymes. I am a poet, yet I just don't know it. Long story short, Boo. I know. Long story short, the I guess the immersion's not there, but the world building is. Uh, and yeah. actually, there's a lot of once you start building that world for yourself, you guys give me shit for this all the time. But once you like take that creative license into your own mind and start kind of building this world for yourself, that's where really cool shit happens. Um, and in your dreams, that's, in your imagination. That's where, like, the fourth segment matters. Like, otherwise, I don't really give a shit about it at all. But the things that it brings to the table as far as what it represents with regard to the other four stories is an important side note, footnote, whatever you want to call it. Yep. So, I, it's definitely good, and I would say it's certainly better than average, but it's not going to really break through any barriers as far as immersion is concerned because anthologies just can't. Yeah. No, I feel you. Uh, I gave it a six and a half. I think that the thing that you said that I agree with most is world building versus immersion in this one. Look, anthologies, you're not going to be as immersed because of the nature of the type of film itself. From a world building standpoint, this is really unique and fucking cool. From an immersion standpoint, not as unique, not as cool because you have different segments, but it does tie those together in a pretty interesting way. Ultimately, it's still not the same as having one continuous, sensical, logical, real-to-life type thread, but it's better than a lot of immersion scores that I would give for this type of movie. So, yeah, six and a half feels about right to me. It's tough to push it much higher than that, but, you know, better than average. Fair. Scare factor. I gave it a five. Yeah. I, I think it has a good spread. Honestly, that's that's the nice thing about these movie, the anthology movie in general is like, honestly, half of them are probably going to hit and half of them are probably not going to hit. And in that regard, it's a five. Like, sure. there are some that are very good. I would say, at the very least, you have 
the first and last segment and probably segment three, the, the accident or whatever. The other mm-hmm. two didn't land as well to me as far as scare factor go. Uh, sure. There you go. Yeah, I, I gave it a five as well. Same reason, same score. Nailed it. Penultimate category, effects, or, importantly, judicious lack thereof. Five. Again. There's there's some... I, I'm not going to like put on airs and say that this is the best CG I've ever seen, but I do think they executed the Reapers fairly well from a conceptual standpoint. Ultimately, when you see the one up close in the first segment, there's problems. Uh, there's some regrettable CG, but having them as like these looming, like looming wardens in the background, like mm-hmm. the like the guards on the watchtower of the jail that you're in. Yeah, they're very sentinel-like. That is a very good thematic element, and I, I mean, ultimately, yes. I actually made a note in my in my well in my notes about. <laughs> I don't wait, understand. Wait, wait, where'd you put them? In my notes. And oh. I don't understand in the last segment why the Grim Reaper thing attacks them while they're in the truck as far as like the rest of the movie is concerned. Because for the rest of the thing, they're just watchers, aside from when the dude actually actively tries to escape and gets rammed down the throat. But mm-hmm. like they're very aggressive in the last segment, and that doesn't really hold true with what they are in the remaining ones. But, I mean, aside from that, Effects-wise, uh, I think this is overall pretty good. They don't do a lot of additional stuff. Uh, the, You know what? Now I'm talking myself into a six because the accident has a lot of really cool practical in it. So I'm actually going to give it a six. I'm talking myself up because of wow. the third segment. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it a four. And that's primarily, look, like... <laughs> I gave it a three last time. <laughs> yeah, you gave it. A, I, I want to talk about this after mine. I'm, I was struggling okay. though because you gave it a three. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I like. I don't think that the Reapers looked very good. They. I liked the design, but they looked bad up close, in my opinion, and that's <laughs> a bit frustrating. Um, and outside of that, there's really not a lot going on from an effects standpoint. Uh, anything that happened in the accident, like, was good enough. It worked. It landed, but it wasn't like that effects laden. I there guess. is there is the one scene in in the accident that's CG of his hand going into her chest cavity and actually wrapping around her lung. That and looks like, bad, actually, and, and squeezing it. That looks it's not it's not good. Yeah, when they use CG, I don't think it goes particularly well. And that's why I'm giving the rating that I'm giving. Okay. And I'd like to hear you, before we move on, reconcile your difference, bud. That's a huge one. I think that I was particularly consumed by what the lung shot looked like. Because, frankly, if you think about it, like that chest cavity, in order for that angle to exist, is fucking enormous, the way yeah. they show it. Like, there's like no other organs. It's a lung, some ribs, and a hand. For yeah. one. So that's a problem. And I probably got talked into a little bit on you guys hating on the on the Reapers. I the other the other thing is like outside of those two sequences, there really isn't much effects wise to this movie. There's a lot of good sets, which I don't think I was taking into account at the point. But yeah, I mean this is a mostly aside from those two spots, 
the individual spots within two segments is this is a judicial lack thereof movie. And I don't know yeah. if I really weighed it as such when I did it originally. I can't, I can't speak for past me. That guy was an idiot. I've well, learned so much since We've already then. covered what present and feature you are this episode. So. Yeah, they're both idiots, but I'm great. They're all three idiots. Yeah, I don't know how <laughs> no, that works. That's all that's two. Not what all two of them are idiots. The Mark. third, the third one's Mark. great. Mark, what? Overall, six and a half. Okay. This is a movie that I think is better than the sum of its parts. Um, I've already forgotten what I gave all of the overall scores as, so I can't really do that math actually. But I think this is you one. Gave them higher than what a six and a half would entail. Really? Huh, okay. I think. Then it's worse than the sum of its parts, Jake. Great. That's those are two different things. <laughs> one is synergistic and one is not. Uh I I honestly don't have much more to add here. I think we've weighed in on the individual segments yeah. ad nauseum. Um ad nauseum. This is as far as I, I, I guess my point was as far as the individual segments go, I was weighing them against each other and not so much against the overall world. In this case, I am weighing them against the overall world. These segments themselves might not stand up individually past like what you might pass along on YouTube, but I think juxtaposed and with the connective tissue they're able to uh, create, it's a significantly better than average movie that is good bordering on great, but definitely not approaching perfect. Okay. Um, I don't think that those... This is rare for an anthology, but I don't think that the short stand would like fare very well on their own. I think that they benefit substantially from being included like together as one whole that is cyclical and is very unique and different. And that's what this does that you don't see a whole lot of. I totally agree reason. with you. Could could you just imagine for a second what the fourth segment would exist on its own? What, what it would, would be, be fucking like? miserable. <laughs> so in that sense, it is synergistic. Like you need, these are feeding off each other because of their connective tissue. And that's a nice, relatively unique thing that you don't see a lot of, especially when you have these anthologies that are directed by a bunch of different people. And you have just like, here's a title card. Here it is. Here's another title card. Here it is. That doesn't exist here. And they go to great lengths to tie these in in very subtle ways like we didn't even get into a lot of that during this episode but there are things like the band from siren like they have a one of their gig posters is up like in the bar in segment four to your point that you just mentioned like subtle things like that are pervasive throughout this movie and that attention to detail and that dependency of one segment on the other and the cyclical nature is all something that ultimately is unique and I think should be seen and appreciated. Uh, I, I'm give it, I gave it a seven the first time I went around. And I think that's a pretty good score still because, Hey, I'm objectively perfect. So there you go, Mark. Yep. Past Jake. Very smart dude. Future Jake. Kind of an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Reviewed. It's what it is. Reviewed. Nailed Motherfucker. It. But that does mean that I gave it a higher score than you. Oh, so I got to talk about why you should watch with your buddies and drink some beers. Not a very hard one to argue. (laughs) An ever changing segment where we make up the rules every single week. Exactly. Yeah. Look, this is a movie that if you get together with your buddies and 
you're drinking some beers and watching it, you're probably going to get into the discussion of everything that's happening and learn more from each other as you talk about like these different parts of the connective tissues. I think this is a movie that benefits from repeat viewing. And if you're watching it with people, you kind of get the added bonus of what they're noticing that you might not be that first go around. And that's a good thing. All right. There you go. <laughs> Keeping it short. I, I mean, I feel like I could just copy paste your argument, but then the last part I would just say like, and that's a bad thing. Why? I, I, I mean, I, okay. So to rewind completely and make my own <laughs> argument. So to take everything back. Um, you pushed me on it and I folded. Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, I do think it would be hard to a certain extent to put on, if you're having a bunch of people over, it would be hard to say, let's come over and watch an anthology movie, which is really more of an indictment of the genre than an indictment of this specific one, because I actually do agree with you. I gave it a better than average score. If you're going to do it with an anthology movie, this is one of the ones you should try it with. But yeah. if you're having a bunch of people over and you're trying to like form a cohesive dialogue about a movie that you're all watching together... Anthology movies are very hard for the average person, like movie watching person to get in on. Yeah. As a bit of a background, when I went into Trick or Treat for the very first time, not knowing it was an anthology, I was completely fucking lost on how that movie worked. And that's a very similar movie to this, right? Yeah, like it it's, it's an interconnected anthology movie based on a specific theme I watched it. I thought it was okay. I liked individual parts more than others as you are supposed to in an anthology. But like literally I was unaware of an anthology as a movie genre. And if that's the type of people, like if, if that's what you're presenting to your friend group, uh, it's people are going to be just confused more than anything else. Sure. No, I disagree with that. I think that it depends. I really, really struggled to not make the argument that, hey, it's like an anthology, so you can dip in, dip out whenever you want, because that's making the argument that this is a great movie for watching if you're not watching it. Which, yeah, which is which is a trap we fall into every. We're single trying week. to avoid. So <laughs> we need to refine this. We need to refine this segment significantly. <laughs> eh, this segment's great. You know what we need to do though? We need to get the fuck out of here. We do desperately. Episode forty nine of the A to Z Horrorcast just came at you. As always, you can find us on any of our social media channels. That's on Twitter or the Horamino app. And once a month coming at you on Reddit with our Horror Release Roundup. You can also find that as this episode's released on a to zhorror.com, which is where you can keep up with everything that we have going on over at the website. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is coming at you from the Phantom Podcast Network. Check out all the other great shows that are going on over at downrightcreepy.com slash phantom. And, again, as always, the music, the theme music of the A to Z Horrorcast is coming out from space. That's space without the A. Next week, we're going to be coming out with episode 50 of the A to Z Horrorcast, which is crazy. And as I mentioned, I had to do a little bit of a a recasting of what my guilty pleasure pick is going to be. But we're going to check out Romero. We might even talk more about him than just this movie. But the movie we're going to be focusing in on is Monkey Shines. So, next week... That's what you're going to get. And until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some more movies. Have a great week, everybody.
Yeah, meat chunk. Embrace the chunk, Jake. Embrace it. Embrace the chunk.